when your student takes chemistry and they actually understand how the periodic is, table is put together and the organization of the universe, I don't know how someone cannot be amazed. And I could say the same thing when you're studying biology, when you're studying the mechanisms of the way your cells work or anatomy and physiology, when you talk about how a nerve impulse passes through your body, it is amazing. And it makes us understand that, you know, inside our head, we've got all of these thoughts and we think that we're so important, but but there are parts that are, there are things that are happening in our own body that we're not aware of and we don't have control of, but it works. And I mean, I really do find such beauty and I'm constantly amazed. And it's a source of joy for me every time I learn something new in science. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Hello, friends. Today, I am joined by my friend, Dr. Kristen Moon, who is actually a repeat guest on Homeschool Conversations, and I am so glad to have you here with us today. Thank you. Well, Kristen has a bachelor's degree in microbiology and a PhD in molecular genetics. After graduate school, she worked briefly in research designing a viral delivery system for therapies, directing drug delivery for patients losing their sight due to macular degeneration. And it was during her time there in the lab that she really discovered her affinity for teaching. Kristen homeschooled her own two sons through high school graduation and continues to teach science to other students, both in person and online in ways that are fun, memorable, and easy to understand. Actually, my own son is taking one of your classes this year and really enjoying it. He's a joy to have in class. Thank you. <laughs> Kristen writes and teaches online at kristenmoonscience.com. And today we are going to be talking about a question that I think comes up a lot, you know, especially as parents look towards those high school years. Am I going to be able to teach high school science? Does it matter? How do I prepare my students for those harder classes? But before we get to those questions, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your experience homeschooling and your background as a scientist? Sure. Um, so my background as a scientist, I had a public education in, you know, all throughout school, Went to college not thinking I was going to be a scientist. That wasn't, I like, I, I did not know that I liked that until I took a general education class in my first semester. And, um, and it was biology and they were talking about DNA and viruses. And it was honestly the first time it had ever been presented to me in that way. And that was it. And I was hooked and I changed my major from broadcast journalism to uh, microbiology and then went on and got my PhD and just absolutely had a ball with it. Um, and my degrees prepared me to do lab research and that's what I assumed I would be doing. Um, but then 
you know, I had my first son and I just could not stand to be away from him. I tried it for, for five months. Um, I would get up so, so early while it was still, you know, nighttime, drive to the lab, try to get some work done and come back. And, um, it was very complicated childcare, but, um, I just missed him so much. And I realized that despite all the people that told me that I was wasting my education by going to be a stay-at-home mom, I didn't care. That's where my heart, des my heart's desire was. And um, that truly was the best thing I've ever done. I absolutely ad adored staying at home with my boys. And when it was time for school, I decided to keep them home because by then I had heard about homeschooling and, um, you know, I just, we just had a blast. We had a blast learning together. I loved being there to watch them learn new things. They had struggles along the way and it deepened our relationship. And, um, so did I answer all the questions? I don't yes. know. Sometimes I start think talking and it's like stream of consciousness. And then I'm like, did I answer the question? <laughs> I love it. No, stream of consciousness is like the, part of the whole, the whole love of flair here at Homeschool Conversations. Well, over the years, you've taught a lot of homeschool science classes, like I mentioned earlier, in person and online. And I was wondering if you've noticed any common questions or concerns that parents have had, especially as they've approached those higher level science classes. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I don't know if it's a question per se, but what I have noticed, what I noticed very early on, even when my own sons were preschool and kindergarten age, the, the reason I got into teaching science in homeschool co-ops and, and science clubs and all of this was because I've heard time and time again how much parents are intimidated by high school science. Um, and because I that's what I just absolutely love to, to teach and talk about. I would always step into the void to help teach these subjects in co-ops and stuff. But um, a lot of times parents think that they're not gonna be able to handle teaching homeschool science. And in my experience, that sometimes will drive people to put their children back into tr traditional school because they feel like I'm not going to be able to provide an adequate science education and I'm going to fail my kids. So I might as well put them in traditional school. But what I would tell parents and what I do tell parents is you don't have to feel that way. Um, if you don't remember mitosis or how to balance a, a chemical equation, it's okay. First of all, there are really great home, there are curriculum available to help your your student work through it you know some of the books are directed in a very conversational way so that your student can just pick up the book and read it and you know figure it out on their own there's so much technology it's 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 changing every day and so if you're feeling very insecure there are always online classes there are online tutorings there are amazing absolutely amazing content creators on youtube so you could just get on YouTube, um, I, you know, I could suggest different accounts to follow for the different subjects, and, and they will explain the different concepts in the, the, the subjects in a way that's very easy to understand. So you don't have to know it all. And if you feel like you have to know it all, then, you know, you might have some problems, but it's okay. Even I, and I've been teaching, you know, science for, for years and years and years, I'm still learning. There's still so much to learn. And I think that you have to get rid of the, the misconception that you have to have it all together, that you have to know everything. You 
need to model for your children that it's a lifestyle of learning. And I know that that's what you believe. You're always learning. It doesn't stop when you graduate high school. And if you don't know something, be honest about it and then model for your kids seeking to find the answers um, to your questions. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. You know, lifelong learning and exploring with your children is something that I just love. It's so important, I think. And it's one of the most fun parts about homeschooling. Yeah. And, and the great that. thing is, and I have to, to share this because I know you don't have any homeschool graduates yet, but I have two homeschool graduates. And I have to tell you that it, I, mean, I started to get so sad as I saw the end coming. I'm like, this has been so much fun. What am I going to do with my life when, when I'm no longer a homeschool mom? But they come home now from from their their classes my one son he doesn't live with us he comes home um you know for the weekends and he's in engineering school and he he wants to share with me what he's learned it's like all these years i've been teaching them and now they're learning something that i don't know and then they come home and tell me and you know it's different but it is amazing and even when i don't necessarily understand what on earth he's talking about um i love that he wants to share that with me and that's the kind of thing, that's the relationship that you build when you're homeschooling with your kids. Oh, that gets me so excited. <laughs> well, when we're thinking about high school science, I know that preparing for those more challenging sciences, really laying that foundation starts well before ninth grade. Mm -hmm. So are there any skills that we need to be focusing on in the earlier years, or maybe even especially in those middle school years to set our students up for success in the high school sciences? Well, one thing that I would say, and I, I, I probably should start taking notes because I feel a stream of consciousness coming on. I have a bunch of things I want to say and I'll probably forget to say them. But one thing that I want to say is, um, as a science teacher in high school, I would love it if students come into high school having already a little bit of background about, um, you know, cells or something like that. Like, you don't have to wait until high school biology to learn about cells or to learn, you know, some of the, of, of what an atom is. You know, they can learn it in a very basic level so that it's almost like, um, like a spiral approach. You know, you might you might bring up certain topics in a very basic way in the younger years and then maybe learn it a little bit deeper level in middle school. And then by high school, you're really ready to, to dive in. And it's not the first time you're hearing about what a mitochondria is or something like that. So that's one thing, but that, I wouldn't even say that that's the most important thing. The most important thing I think I would say that you can do to be preparing your kids for high school is, to teach them how to teach themselves, to teach them if they have a question, don't just stop with the question. Don't just, I wonder why, hmm, I guess I'll never know. Teach them how to find the answers that they seek. Teach them what it means to research. That could be, you know, if they have a question, have them, you know, show them how to look something up in a library. Show them how to look something up in an encyclopedia. And I, I know that encyclopedias are pretty outdated, but I'm talking more like the Usborne encyclopedias of science and that kind of thing. Um, looking things up on the internet. Um, don't, I, if, if they can learn to, um, to pursue their answers to the questions that they have, that is amazing because that is being a self-directed learner. And that's gonna come so in handy all throughout their lives. Um, and what else did I want to say? 
100%, I would say to make sure they have a solid math background because there are not so much for biology, but for physics, physical science, and chemistry, there are some math skills that your students are going to need to know in order to succeed in those classes. So I would like look ahead, um, probably as your students coming close to high school, you probably will map out a four-year plan. You know, if you if you know what your state's requirements are for, a, you know, for graduation, you're going to want to know, you know, how many credits in language and how many credits in social studies and how many credits in science they're going to need. Go ahead and get a rough map of that out. And then when you get to your sciences, check to see if there are any math requirements, prerequisites in order to, to take those classes. Because for, for re really in chemistry, it's very, well, I'm just gonna say you really should, your students should have already taken algebra one because you know they're going to have to have some familiarity with exponent rules and manipulating um, equations and so if you're trying to get your kid to take chemistry in ninth grade but they haven't had algebra yet they're going to struggle so just look ahead it's nothing to stress out about it's just you know kind of looking into the future getting this rough map and and then you know make sure that they have the math prerequisites before the, the science courses that they're going to take um i think i don't know I think those, I would also say, I love it when families have tools at their disposal for investigating different things, like a little mass scale or magnifying glasses, microscopes are wonderful, but just um, the tools at their disposal, the disposal so that if they have a question, if they have something they wanna investigate, that they can do that. A lot of times um, kids in high school they tend to get a little bit envious of the their friends that are in traditional school and they get to use all the lab equipment and stuff. You don't have to feel that way. There are companies that you can buy lab equipment and chemicals and, and dissection um, specimens and all kinds of neat things so that your kids can have those lab experiences at home. And those are great experiences for them to have. Yeah, and it's not even as ex as expensive as you would think. I think not for a long all. time I just avoided it because I was like, oh, well, that sounds really expensive. But there are some really affordable options. Absolutely. Yeah. One yeah. of the big things I've been trying to do this year is just say yes more. I have I have a couple children who just will be reading a book and it'll give, you know, an example of an experiment or a demonstration or something like that. And they'd be like, oh, can I do this project? And before I would often say no, because I felt like, oh, I'm gonna have to like go help you set it up. And then we're gonna have to like have some deep conversation about it. And it just didn't feel like it was ever at a very convenient time. So I'd always just say no. And so this year I've just been saying yes. And I've been letting them do it themselves. I knew that I couldn't necessarily stop everything and go mm -hmm. have a long conversation with them and like guide them through the experiment or whatever, but they wanted to do it. They had the book there, we had the materials, and so they've just done it on their own and they've loved it. So yes. um, earlier this week, you know, we had a, we had a little volcano <laughs> floating in our, in our kitchen and all oh, the kids just thought this was the coolest thing ever because mom never lets us make messes. But see, it's the it's those kinds of experiences, and they're going to look back on their childhood and think we had an awesome education. And it's building relationships all among yourselves. You know, you're having fun together, and you're learning together, and you're exploring together. I love it when families have some sort of little science 
tool stash. It could be just like a little, I've told you this before, it could be just this little plastic bin and that maybe they have their own um, box of baking soda and um, magnifying glasses and little cups and measuring tools that, that you don't mind them messing with. Like they're not getting your nice things that you use to bake dinner with or something like that, but they have their own things. And then a real cheap plastic um, or vinyl um, tablecloth for covering tables. Um, I love it when parents have something like that so that when your your student is looking through a book and they they come up with this experiment and they want to try it, you don't have to like make a trip to the store because oftentimes that's what keeps kids from doing the science experiments because it's too much of a hassle to go get the stuff. But if you've got a little stash of stuff at the ready for them to explore, or they're going to go outside on a nature trip and they take their little, their little tools and their magnifying glass to look at the things or a little jar to keep something that they find, I think that's wonderful. Um, and, and it really helps them understand that, you know, science can happen anytime and there's science all around us in all of our life, and I, I love the example that you're doing with your daughter when you let her design her own chemistry in the kitchen class. I love that idea. I love it, and I was just talking about that with someone the other day. It's amazing because baking, and that is chemistry, and I love that she's finding that out. Um, you know, that's just a, a great example of, of finding the science in the everyday life. It doesn't have to be something set aside um, and only for scientists. It's something that we all use. We just need to recognize it. Yeah, definitely. This episode is brought to you by The Year of Memory Work, my free resource to help you incorporate more beautiful pieces of memory work in your homeschool day. The Year of Memory Work provides you 52 weeks of beautiful poetry, famous speeches, historic documents, and more, so you never have to wonder what to memorize or recite next. With my free printables, it's easy to include the recitation of your choice in your morning time routine. Plus, for each piece of memory work, there's also a video in which I or one of my children recite the poem or speech for you. Sometimes we even get a little goofy. With 52 items to choose from, you're sure to find something your whole family will enjoy. Head to humilityanddoxology.com and click the menu button at the top of the page to easily navigate to the year of memory work. Or head to Humility and Doxology on YouTube or Facebook, where I have all the videos rounded up in a year of memory work playlist. Well, you talked about the importance of, you know, having maybe a little bit of exposure to some of these science ideas, to have a curious mind, uh -huh. and that really vital importance of having a solid math foundation as you're, you know, preparing your students for high school math. But what if a mom is listening and she already has a student maybe in high school and she's thinking, oh no, it's too late. <laughs> and are there any maybe strategies for a crash prep course like in the summer yeah. or something to get that student ready for that high school, you know, biology, chemistry, physics? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it ever, it would be ever too late, but there are absolutely ways that you could do a crash course. Um, in fact, I have 
one of my students last year in, in one of the courses I was teaching decided she wanted to knock chemistry out over the summer. And it took a little longer than just the summer, but you know, she put the time in and we would meet online a, a, a day or two a week and, and I would teach her and then she would do the homework and she would watch the videos. It can be done. It really can if you've got the the discipline to, to make use of those, you know, the summer months or, you know, the, the, the weekends. Um, there are like Khan Academy is, is really great. They've got whole courses with videos and, and practice problems. And even if it's, it's not, um, it's not live online, but if you're struggling with, um, one of their problems, you can, you know, make a comment and they'll get back to you. So, it's it's really great. There are ways that you can um, bridge the gap if there is a gap. There's always tutoring. You know, you can meet with somebody in person or you can do it virtually. Um, the videos, I, I, I come back to the videos a lot, but I have really been blown away with the quality of the teaching that you can find for free on YouTube. I really have been. And if, maybe you can share some of your favorite YouTube channels or if you have a playlist and I'll include that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure I get that from yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Well, does it matter if our child or our student is not like a science kid when we're thinking about those high school credits? You know, why should we still care about high school science? And is there any way in which our approach to their math or science education might be a little different from the way we would approach it with a high school student who's really into the STEM disciplines? Um, let me answer the second part of that first. If you have a student and you know that they want to go into science, um, you know, for sure stay on top of the math. And my, my boys both took advantage of dual enrollment and taking classes um, through the, the local college while they were still in high school. But we didn't take, take that, um, we didn't opt to have them take their science courses that way. I wanted them to take science first at the high school level and not take it for the first time in college. And I think that was a very wise decision because, um, so both of my sons now have taken Chem 1 and my, my younger son has taken Biology 1 in college. If this was the first time he was being exposed to this, it's going at a very fast pace. They assume that you've already had this once before. If you're learning about cell division for the first time in a college class, it's going to be intense. And the same thing with chemistry, the same thing with physics. So even though we want our kids to get ahead, I still would make sure they have a solid foundation in the high school science before you try to then let them take it at the college level. But if you don't think that your child is STEM-minded, um, I always say that there's, there's really a benefit to having some basic understanding of biology and chemistry. Biology is, is our life. I mean, to understand, um, you know, our relationship with plants and animals and the world and each other, I think that that is, is worth the time. And chemistry, you know, I get that chemistry is one of the harder sciences, but I still think that it's important to have a basic foundation. Maybe you don't have to make a super rigorous class, but they should be familiar with, you know, the periodic table and what an element is and how different elements can um, combine. 
And then the other thing that I say when people ask me that, because I've had students, I've had parents say, well, my kid's not going to go into science. I don't need to do that. But I've also witnessed personally, and it's kind of sad, I've witnessed families who say that about their student, and then the student has an experience like I did, where they, they go to college, <clears throat> and maybe they think they're going to go into, you know, the arts or broadcast journalism like I did, and then they they find out that, oh my goodness, I actually really like science. But if they don't, they don't have that background, then that's, you know, it, it is really hard to catch up once high school is over. It can be done. It absolutely can be done. Um, but I always just like to say, prepare your students for whatever they might want to do. Because, you know, we know adults who have changed their careers, you know, it, midlife. And I just think that we do our students a disservice when we don't prepare them well for whatever they might choose to do. So I do think that it's important, even if you really don't think that your student's going to go into science, give them at least some foundation. I mean, at the, at the bare minimum, you are exposing them and, to the wonder of the world. I mean, Science really is, I know that we, we talk about it as if it is some, something that we can't understand, but really and truly anything that you can think about is science. The weather, baking, um, you know, and, and it's very nice to have some foundational understanding. I find great beauty in it. So, you know, I, I just think that it makes for um, a much more well-rounded individual to have you know, at least some background in science. Yeah, I love what you said about just making sure we, we have those options for mm -hmm. our students and not closing off potential areas of surprised interest mm -hmm. later on mm -hmm. too soon. Mm -hmm. And also I think just maybe it's like a modern thing where we look for the, the usefulness. Well, when am I going to use this? Right. Right. <laughs> that kind of utilitarian idea. And especially from my perspective as a classical educator, but I think this is true for anyone, uh, seeing the value and the beauty of something that's wonderful that just exists in itself uh, mm -hmm. because of how it points us to our creator and to the mm -hmm. way the world works. And just, it's beautiful. We don't have to think, well, you know, I don't really use pre-calculus or trigonometry as a homeschool mom, you know, except in helping my students. <laughs> but it's not like I use that on a day-to-day -day basis, but oh, it was so much fun to learn and see the way, you know, the mathematical formulas and equations can be manipulated. And same with science, like just mm -hmm. um, to be filled with that wonder Absolutely. as you approach it. That There is value in that, whether, you know, you're going into a science career or not. And honestly, there there is beauty. There is beauty in science. When your student takes chemistry and they actually understand how the periodic is, table is put together and the organization of the universe, I don't know how someone cannot be amazed. And I could say the same thing when you're studying biology, when you're studying the mechanisms of the way your cells work or anatomy and physiology, when you talk about how a nerve impulse passes through your body. It is amazing and it makes us understand that, you know, inside our head, we've got all of these thoughts and we think that we're so important, but, but there are parts that are, there are things that are happening in our own body that we're not aware of and we don't have control of, but it works. And 
I mean, I really do find such beauty and I'm constantly amazed. And it's a source of joy for me every time I learn something new in science. So um, anyway, stream of consciousness again. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, this is one of the reasons why I have loved getting to know you because you just ooze that joy about science on, you know, your Facebook or on your, like, just when I talk to you, it's just, oh, this is so exciting. And you can't, it's, it's contagious to have, to have that kind of contagious attitude. But here's the thing. This is another thing I want to say. I didn't have that when I was like in high school. I didn't, that is a, a whole part of me that I didn't even tap into um, until I got to, to college. So that's another reason that I'm really passionate about what I do and teaching science to, to high schoolers and to middle schoolers and to elementary schoolers because I would love it if I could get kids excited about science before they get to college so that they can use this time, like what we're talking about, this time in high school to prepare for what's coming down the road. Um, there are so many incredible careers available that weren't even available when I was in college. Um, diseases that exist. Scientists are coming up with, with cures and treatments for diseases like sickle cell anemia, which there is no, no treatment for other than managing pain. They're coming up with, with cures for this and cancer and all of these different things. And um, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I, I really do get joy when I, when one of my students says, I was going to do this, but now I really loved your class and I'm going to go and, and pursue a career in microbiology or, or medicine or something else. I'm like, yes, I'm so glad that you found out that science isn't, um, some, something set aside for, for only a select few. Any single one of us can understand science. And I think that once you do, then you, it, it just opens up your mind. It opens up your world. You start to see the science and everything. And it really is amazing. I hope that that is going to be a real encouragement to the homeschool moms who are listening, who maybe have been a little intimidated thinking about the high school science uh, time with their students. I hope this has been a real encouragement to them. I know it will be. Well, as we close, I wanted to ask you the two questions that I'm asking all of my guests this season. And the first question is just, what are you reading lately? Okay. Um, I have, well, so I'm teaching a new class, a new class to me this year, and that's anatomy and physiology. So I'm reading a lot of the books that I'm reading this year are related to the human body. And I know that probably doesn't appeal to most people, but one book that I really, really enjoyed was by Bill Bryson, who actually has written many different books about different things, but he wrote one about the body. It's called The Body, A Guide for Occupants. And it is delightful. I, he, I love the way he writes. It's very interesting. Um, so that was one book that I really liked. But now I'm, I've moved on to a new author. Her name is Mary Roach. And the book that I just started last night is called Gulp, G-U-L-P. <laughs> and it's about the um, alimentary canal, the, the digestive system. So I'm just a little bit in. I don't really know what I think of the book yet. But, um, but so far, it, you know, it is interesting. It, I, I never would have thought activities. of a book. I never uh, would have thought of a book on the elementary canal. Well, yeah, but I, but I, I'm part of different um, teachers groups of different teachers that teach um, anatomy and physiology, and I've heard Mary Roach's name brought up over and over and over again about her very interesting books, 
And so I said, well, sure, why not? I already know that one of the activities I love to do with my middle schoolers is um, having them take different colors of yarn and measure, you know, how, how big is their mouth? That's one color of yarn. How long is their esophagus? And that's a different color of yarn. And then they calculate how long, or then their stomach, and that's a different color of yarn. And then they figure out based on their height, how long their small intestine is, and then how long their large intestine is. And they tie all the pieces of yarn together and it stretches out. And it, it really is mind boggling how long our alimentary canal is. And then you can compare the different sizes. Like if you have a, a young child and then you've got like your, your older son comparing the different lengths of digestive systems. I know that might sound silly, but it's very interesting. And then that can take you into a discussion. Well, why is it so long? Well, what happens in the stomach? What happens in the small intestine? What happens in the large intestine? It, it's all, it's, it's relevant to each and every one of us. And all eat. Um, yeah, yeah, we do. And why do we eat? I mean, you know, you really, you could just get off on all of these different, you know, explorations. I remember when I was being homeschooled, so I must have been like in the maybe sixth or seventh grade, or maybe fifth, I don't know, somewhere in there. And we were doing a human body study with some other families. And I'll never forget, we were over at our friend's house and we were learning about the digestive system. And so we all like stood on our hands with our feet propped up against the wall. And we were all, while we're upside down, given a raisin oh. to eat. And so we ate the raisin and lo and behold, it is not gravity that is bringing your food down your esophagus to your stomach. And so we saw how you can actually eat and the raisin travels down through That's your body. Really so yeah, that was a really fun thing. I still remember that. Haven't thought of that in a while. <laughs> I don't know if we would feed raisins to upside down children now, but I probably would. Um, my final question for you is, what tips would you give to a homeschool mom whose day just seems to be going all wrong? I would say um, show grace and accept grace. Just grace. Just cover the whole thing with grace. Um, there is no shame in when you're having a really terrible, horrible, no good, bad day to just walk away from the books. That relationships always. Um, supersede getting through the curriculum. Because if you have a bad attitude, if your student has a bad attitude towards you because you're having a bad day, because words have been exchanged or maybe looks or whatever, they're gonna have a hard time receiving what you're trying to teach them. And it's probably gonna just be scrapped anyway. So I'm not saying anytime you have a little stumbling block in your day just to call it quits and go to the park, but you know, I think most of us know when we're having a bad day and, and, and perhaps you need to just call a time out. It's okay because you just need to keep that relationship good. You need to keep it strong. So if that means, you know, you're going to climb under some covers and watch uh, a movie or go to the park, take a nature walk, um, you know, just do something to salvage the day not necessarily calling it school, but um, just understand that you're going to have bad days, that it's a marathon and not a sprint. You're going to get through it. But ultimately, the more important thing is not that you finish the textbook at the end of the year, but that you've had, you know, you've, you've um, deepened your relationships, um, that you've worked on character. Um, so anyway, yeah, good I, reminders. I, we, we, we would, we, we didn't do that 
too, too often, but you know, it, it definitely is important. And to, to also not always wear your teacher hat. Don't like, you know, it's okay to sometimes not turn everything into a lesson. That was a problem for me. Um, yeah, I'll just yeah. leave it at I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we homeschool moms, like, we're like, oh, this would make a great educational opportunity. And our kids are like, we just wanted to have fun with you today. Yeah, or going to Costco and then making your kids do the math problem about how, how many sheets per roll and what's the best cost. I mean, that's okay every once in a while, but it's okay to be just mom every once in a while too. You don't have to turn everything into a lesson. Yes, definitely. Well, Kristen, where can people find you all around the internet? Um, so I was not very inventive with my name. It's Kristen Moon Science. So you can find me Kristen Moon Science on Facebook. I've got a website, um, Instagram and Pinterest. And I'm also on YouTube. I haven't created too many of my own um, YouTube videos, but I do have playlists for biology, anatomy and physiology, um, chemistry and physics, physical science where when I find a really good video, I save it to one of those um, playlists so that if someone needs, like they're teaching biology and they something's just not clicking for their kids, they can go to my YouTube channel, find the biology playlist, scroll through and hopefully find a really good video um, that will help them, you know, teach their student through that, that, uh, that tricky subject. Oh, fabulous. And I will have all those links up in the show notes for this episode at humilityanddoxology.com. I love using YouTube playlists from people that I, you know, can trust because yeah. YouTube can be a scary, sketchy place, right, <laughs> especially right. to send your children off into. So those playlists can be really helpful tools. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to chatting with you all about science sometime soon. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool-conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.